One of the questions Walker and I get most often has to do with what do I look for when I'm looking at a script? How do I apply what I know to a script? So I'll be giving an introductory script analysis class for four Wednesday nights starting on March 8th. For more information, write to questionsformilton at gmail.com. Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. I have some notes that I found, and one of them I just like as an overview thing, thing by the way, from a, a Russian teacher-actor called Maloshevskaya. I actually found it in... Uh, Sharon Carnegie's new book that comes out in January. Anyway, uh, the quote is, freedom is the reward for knowing the play. And I just, I, I pointed out because I, it, the important thing that we're doing, of course, is we're taking a very difficult play or we're taking a very satisfying play. And what we're finding is that the more you know, the more freedom it gives you. And it really is something you want as an actor. You, you just want to feel as if you know this period, you know the, the situation, you know the circumstance. And as a result, you're able, it just like, it frees you up. That it, it is the freedom that comes from walking into a space and knowing things. Uh, I liken it often to the first time you go to a house and you don't know anything about it. And then the second time you go to the house, you know a lot about it. And then the third time you go to the house, you know where to sit, you know where the, this is, you know where that is, you know. And it's like every time you go back, you know more. And suddenly you walk into the house and you have, you don't feel anything except the freedom to sit, to stand, to go where you want to do. And so in a sense, that's what we do. We are freed up because of all that we know. Um, and one of the things I think that just keeps coming back to me um, is with the scene that we're working on, um, and one, just one thing about that, and then I want to go back because I want, I, I think it's very helpful for us to figure out who these people are, because otherwise we've got people in a circumstance speaking lines, but we don't know who they are. And so we don't know what's going on with them when they are speaking these lines. But I did read something, uh, in, a, in the New York Times on Sunday about this very strange documentary called The Last Movie Stars about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. And they found an old, evidently it's in it, I was only able to make it through the first episode and maybe not the whole first episode, but they found an old interview. So Joanne Woodward, first one in Oscar for a movie called The Three Faces of Eve. And it was about a woman that was schizophrenic. And the kind of the premise is a frustrated housewife, 
Eve White develops two other identities. Uh, inhabiting one of them, she tries to strangle her daughter with a curtain pole until her husband stops her. So in an old interview in the documentary, uh, Joanne Woodward confesses that no mother ever feels permitted to say that if she had to, had it to do all over again, she's not sure she would have had children at all. The professional sacrifices had piled up too high. And then the article goes on to point out that Serena Williams, reti who's retiring at the age of 40, um, which would be normal anyway. I mean, you know, you figure, you know, how long can you play tennis? But she felt like she had to explain as part of her decision how fulfilling it was to be able to pick her daughter up from school. And I, I you know, I, I just keep coming back to this whole thing because now apparently you kids are starting to audition a lot. And so we're basically looking at very, very little dialogue and having to figure out what sort of person would say this. Andrea's had a couple that I've loved because it really could have been anybody. And so that really does free us up to make choices. Um, Amanda's was a little bit more specific because hers was an art dealer. And so we, you know, but we know to look at a bunch of art dealers and steal what we liked. Uh, Farah's was a journalist interviewing a hockey player. So again, it leaves you slightly more freedom, even though you are in this kind of <laughs> well, all I can think of is we're in a file folder on our computers, and in it's a file folder called Cowboy, or it's a cow, you know, it's a file folder marked art dealer. It's a file folder marked legalist. You know, I mean, it's like about all we know is that we're in this file folder in our brains that allow us a certain kind of behavior or, you know, open us up to a certain kind of behavior. Um, some are easier than others. But with a lot of them, and especially when we're dealing in a play like this, the keys that we have are not so obvious as the obvious writing that happens in television and film. I mean, that's why if we can do this kind of work, the other work is much easier. Uh, because we, we have trained our brains to look at material in a certain way. And I just want to go back because... What did we say about Paul and the fact that we know what the plot of the scene is, but the, the fact that he chose her birthday, 
in order to give her this gift that had such a massive symbolism. She's calculating. Calculating. Yeah. Resentful? Yes, but that doesn't... I, I, resentful, sure. But that, I, I'm specifically... I'm not going to the whole scene. I'm going to specifically why happy birthday. I mean, there's something... I read the scene and I know the plot. And then I look at something and I'm trying to figure out who is this guy. And so I get a key from happy birthday. Is it because uh, that's the day she was born, obviously, and that means that the child would be born on a day and the child will never be born, so that's why he's used her birthday to sort of... Good, uh, yes, yes. But what does that tell you, what does that tell you about him? It he's very feels specific. pretty... Sorry. Yeah. He's also pretty ruthless. She will, she'll never forget that she has a birthday every year. Like every year her birthday comes around, she'll remember that moment. That is a really ruthless moment. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's very, very. And, and what, what was the word you used, Jen? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I know I have the same problem. Uh, <laughs> Um, specific, specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yours, Amanda? Calculating, methodical, calculating. Like yes, yeah. Yeah, like in like a ruthless way. Yeah, yes, yes. He thinks things out. Methodical. M maybe methodical. Uh, methodical to me is another thing. Methodical is slightly... You know, I know people that are methodical and they're and they're bores. But I mean, but really thinking out to come up with something that's very specific and very and and, and that's a wonderful ad, ruthless. That's so and that's so interesting. That's really good. My birthday is the 17th of November, and my best friend, who died in the 90s, died on the 16th. And first of all, uh, he died the night that my friend John and I had taken our respective boyfriends at the time to see Carol Channing and Hello, Dolly. And so my thought was, Tim had said, oh, my God, if John and Milton are going to see Carol Channing and Hello, Dolly, I'm out of here. But the, but the other thing is, that, and I thought, and I have a feeling he was sitting there and thinking to himself, well, I could wait till tomorrow, but I'm not going to die on his birthday. I'll give him that at any rate. But, it's a, but I think that's a very, very good point, Tamara. I think it's very, it's very good. But you see how, I mean, look, this it's important to know because it is important for us to know about him that he does not live by knee-jerk reactions. I mean, I, I think that's, a, that's an important thing to know about a character. 
I just found out my wife had an abortion a year ago and didn't tell me. My reaction is not, you know, fuck her. I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to, it's, it's not that. It's really thought out. But that's a very, very, very important key to a character. To, as I begin to cobble together who this dude is, I say, okay, so in this circumstance, with one word, I'm able to figure out something about him. Anyway, I, I like that because I, I am constantly aware how much we have to know in order to to play a character. I mean, doesn't it just kind of overwhelm you? Let's go to... Let's go to... And Jen, I'm going to let you chime in here because we've been working on this monologue of yours. Uh, let's go. Let's go to, and then I want to go to Susan. But let's go to this opening with Paul and see how many things that we get. Did you all get? I sent it to you again, just so you had it. Because if you're anything like me, somebody says, find the script to loose ends and you're looking all over. What does it tell you? Just looking at the first sentence. It was great at the beginning. I could speak the language almost fluently after a month, and the people were fantastic. So just anything. What are your impressions from that? Sounds like a vacation. Good. Wow, good. Very good. Boy, are you wasted in Canada. Um, yeah, it sounds like a vacation. What else? What else hits you? Almost like it definitely went wrong in the end. Yes, it definitely went wrong. Yeah, yes, already. Yeah. Wesley, promise me you'll stop writing. You can't write me notes. You, it's like I stop, I read them, I try to figure out what they are. You can talk. Anyway, okay, yes. So the use of the word in the beginning tells you right away that something is going to go wrong. What else? It's got to be bright if you could speak a language almost fluently after a month. I know. I was going to say, is anybody really that good at languages that you could speak a language after a month? Either he's really bright or he's a liar or like he's overconfident. No, I wouldn't go down that road. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's also true. You know, I mean, how many people can speak Neglele in, uh, in a month? And it kind of, uh, and I immediately go to something kind of interesting, which is I love the idea of how you learn a language. So can you see him as the sort of person who go, go around and say, you know, river, and they'd say what it was in the Glalie. And if he thought they were, the people were a fantastic what does that tell you about him? 
Well, it says to me that if he learned it in a month, he must be good at creating relationships with people. He must be friendly and personable and people want to be around. Look, absolutely. Uh, do you see how that's a really good impression of a character? I mean, it tells you something about him right away. Looking for places to go. That's the reason I think it's so important that we move slowly through the text, especially with good writing, because there are so many clues that we have that we can use. And, by the way, it's it's going to get worse. It's not like, I mean, his way of talking about it is, is it was great at the beginning. It's not like he says, you know, tell me about the, the Peace Corps. He doesn't suddenly go to, oh my God, don't, you, don't even mention it. So it has, it, it has about it a way of looking at something that, I mean, who says that? What is the attitude if you're talking about something where you're about to tell them how it went downhill? The anticipation for what Tamara's about to say is so monumental. The whole leaning forward where we know she turns on the microphone and watching her, see how active everything is? You, you're never waiting for cues. It's always active. She's, she's sitting there. You can see the thought process as she's rewriting what she was going to say. Well, it, it's two different thoughts. It's it's like the setup, but I'm also thinking of the phrase, the pride before the fall. So I can't think of what you're asking, but I know exactly what you're asking. He's setting it up in a way that it sounds amazing, and then we'll get that crash. What is that called? Um, well. You call it um, a shit sandwich over here. <laughs> um, He's a storyteller. I, uh, yes, uh, uh, yes. That's, yes, that's exactly it. Wesley's got it. He's a great storyteller. That's, that's a, he's a great storyteller. He, he's, you know, it, it's like there are people that know how to structure a story. Which is kind of what he does with the gift. Yes. Well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very good. Yes, eventually you see yeah, that is exactly, that's exactly what he does with the gift. He has, a, he, he has, and what is the nature of storytelling? There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes, and what takes you from beginning to middle and an end? You draw someone in. Yes, yes. Theme? No, no, I'm thinking of, yes, Andrea, you, you do this. Is a lit for a living. What? Conflict. Conflict, sure. But those are all kinds of things. But it, what is the nature of telling a story? Narrative. A narrative, yes. But what about the narrative? You're painting a, a picture? Yes. Where they can experience it with you? Yes, and? You're connecting with them. Yes, and, and you do that how? 
If you all can get this, you will understand story structure of films. One event leads to the next event, which leads to the next event, which leads to the next event. And it, it is all like telling, uh, you will learn more in your whole life it's not just a chain reaction. I saw that, Kara Hope. Um, it's not just a chain. But one thing does lead to another. I'm telling you something. One day when class isn't so late and Jed brings his son Lev to class and we'll tell Lev a story. And if we can keep him interested, then we have the structure of a movie. I mean, it... it it is the ability to, to see how one event leads to the next event that leads to the next event, which is story structure. And someday when all of you decide you want to get a PhD in boredom, you will read Aristotle's Poetics because it all goes back to Aristotle and nothing has ever been added to that because it's all about one event. And it's a reason periodically you all will notice. I'll look at when you have film auditions, I'll look at the page number. I'll look at the page number because it helps us know where in the story this particular scene lands. Anyway, but I think the look, the point is that we're getting this picture of Paul as someone who is very clear, he's very clear about laying out the theater of a story, laying out the theater of an event. I think these are all very, very helpful in putting together a character. You know, you begin to see how he sees the world, how he lives in the world. I Don't Need an Acting Class is created and hosted by Milton Justice. Producer is me, Walker Vreeland, and director of online media is Evan Sollers. Music is by Jeffrey Kieser. And for more info on Jeffrey's work, you can go to jeffreykieser.com. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, you can find us online, I don't need an acting class.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, and uh, you can continue to send your questions to Milton at questionsformilton at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.